When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay Murray and Ali Moreno here with you today. A lot to look back on a big day of action from the footballing world. But we will begin with the FA Cup third round matchup between Arsenal and Liverpool. One that Liverpool won 2-0 and one where once again we saw Arsenal's struggles in front of goal. Here's Dan and the crew with more on what went down. Thanks, Kay. I know what a lineup, eh? Stevie, Craig, and Kieran alongside me to take you through what happened today. And what was the kind of marquee game of the third round? Arsenal against Liverpool. Quality wise, probably didn't live up to that. Uh, Liverpool missing some big names, of course. Mo Salah out. Also, no Van Dyke. He was out with illness. Arsenal would start the better of the two sides. But as we've seen over previous matches, just struggling in the final third. And in the end, it would be Liverpool who would win by two goals to nil. Uh, both goals coming late. Kewell with the own goal after a great delivery from Alexander-Arnold and then Diaz sealing the deal Liverpool then through to the next round Craig how big a deal is this from an Arsenal perspective well I, I, I think it is and I don't think it's just the fact that they're not going to be contesting the FA Cup I think it's a broader and a bigger picture is they're already five points off Liverpool at the top we have Man City second half of the season traditionally come strong De Bruyne is back Foden's in great form they're not going away and Arsenal are the team that I think he's actually scratching his head. I think between, in the last 18 months, maybe give or take one, maybe two players, he kind of, we all knew what that team was going to be. I don't think he, if he sits down now and writes, what's, my, what's going to get me a result on paper? I think he could change it several times. I think he's now searching. Mm. And, more, and just as worrying as the goals, that rock solid defence has stopped keeping clean sheets. Mm. It's starting to leak some goals now as well. We've discussed the goalkeeper situation at length. And, and don't forget in this game, Liverpool got two, two goals. But Ramsdale arguably made it the best save of the game as well yep. from, from Diaz. It's uh, interesting, Kieran, and as much as you want to put a positive spin on it, the facts are that Arsenal are in a rut at the moment, in front of goal and conceding goals as well. How easy is it for them to turn this around? Yeah, I mean, listen, when you look at the last six results, of course, it doesn't paint a great picture. But when you actually zoom out, you know, over the last probably five, six years and how far the club has come in a short space of time, you know, when but you you're, but, you're, but you're an Arsenal supporter and you're sat there saying, right, we need to be going toe-to-toe with City, with Liverpool in this Premier League battle. And we, and we, we need are. to be winning these games in the FA Cup. Yeah, but yeah. you're just giving, as, as Craig said, City haven't had a good run. Yeah. You know, start of the season, but you've just opened the door to them with Kevin De Bruyne coming back, Erling Haaland back from injury as well. And that has got to be the concern from Arsenal because there's more questions about them than any other team now in the title race. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they're, they're, they're in the title race, though, you, you said it, right? Yeah, but you're in it, but you're just which letting is, others... It's important to remember, you know, because for the last five, six years... Yeah, but we're not, not talking about the last, not, we're no, about the last no, 18 months. We're talking title. about the fact really, that Arteta spent but you, a lot of money in the summer to yeah. make them, to push them over the line from where they failed last season, yet you could argue that they've regressed. Oh, in the last, in the last month, of course, but over the broad scale of, you know, 12, 18 months... 
the club has completely reformed. Mm. Completely reformed. Can you, do you want to agree with that? No, I completely agree with that, but you can only be judged that's, that's not a on, point, on what it? you've done over the last no, couple of months. You've raised the buy high, no doubt about it. Arsenal won a, a lot of uh, people's love because of the football they played last season. They came second, did they bottle it? No, it wasn't. It was just a case they got injuries at the wrong time. Now, you've been backed as a manager. You've been given a lot of money in the summer. You spent wisely on rice, maybe not with Havertz. And now it's about putting the performances on the pitch. Yeah. And if you don't, we've got every right to sit here and ask why not. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you. And the, the thing is, you know, you have to ask yourself, what would, you, what would you rather when you're in those cycles? Would you rather be a Chelsea right now or would you rather be a United? Um, you know, I, I think I would pretty much prefer the foundations that Arsenal have built in the last 18 months over any of those, those other clubs. So actually, like, to be honest, when I look at it, you know, I don't panic too much over the next three, four years with, with Arsenal at all. You know, I think they've got a clear identity. They know how they play. They have a young team, a very exciting team. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't even change too much if, if I was Arsenal. They need very slight changes. Mikel needs to obviously, you know, go back to the drawing board and have a look at what's gone on in the last month. But to be honest, you know, I think we like to jump on uh, Arsenal in particular when no, I don't have a little think, no, 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 that's not but, fair. But, we, we, but we've that, and that's not we and that's on no, 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 no. Listen, you can't, no, listen, you can't be in a tight, you can't be running the league uh, at the top for as long as they were last year, playing the way they were with all these super talented players. Nobody blamed them for losing the league, right? Maybe a few Arsenal fans, I don't know, right? City were just better. But then once you've built this and you have what you want and then you go out and the club back you, right? I'm sure there were people inside Arsenal went, were going, you know, Declan Rice, fine, terrific player, terrific. You're in Timber, that's unfortunate, he's out. But I'm sure there's a few people at the club, and I don't want to keep going on about Kai Havertz, but it's a bit like Mason Mount at Man United to an extent, people are going, what was the big need? And I think once you make these decisions as a manager, as a club, and you're having these type of performances, people are going to question you. Look. Arsenal Football Club, and you well know better, is better than me, but all these elite clubs, it is, not, it is not good enough to be second or third. Really, it is not. Liverpool are not trying to achieve that, and Arsenal shouldn't be either. So there is going to be a pressure that comes his way. He's going to have to figure out if, he, if he's got the nose to turn this around. The, the goal for the manager is not to have a great base to, 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 to look at for the next three or four years. The point of the manager is to win games. And right now, as Craig said, I don't think he knows the best side that's going to go and win games on a regular basis. Mm. And, and the, the longer they go through this dry spell, the further away from the top of the league they'll get. Mm. I mean, yes, you can argue right now they are part of a title race, but if they keep performing like this, they're going to slide out it. They're going to slide out it because Manchester City ain't going, to be, ain't going to be dropping nine and ten points between now and the end of the season. And I don't think Liverpool will. So if Arsenal don't get sorted, particularly in the front, the front end of the field, yes, they're not being as good defensively, but my goodness, going forward, they don't look like scoring. I mean, the possession they had for 70 minutes against this Liverpool side today, and they never must... They, one shot that, that Alisson had to save from, from, from White, that's, that's not good. It's not good enough. And having one win in seven with the Premier League the way it is, you can't afford you can't afford to drop more points. Otherwise you will be out the title race. 
How do you address this tactically if you're Arteta? Um, I don't think it's to do with tactics. I think it's to do with it's to do with getting the, the right players in the right positions. I, Havertz to me has upset the apple cart. Right. No question. In the middle of the park. And then you try and play him up front as well, and it doesn't work. Now you've now you've got your, your young guy in Ketia who's go, who's who's going to be second guessing himself. Your other striker's injured. I mean, there's 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 not a straightforward fix other than try things. And trying Reese Nelson today didn't work. Mm -hmm. Martinelli did more when he came on in the short space of time than, than, than Nelson did. So you've got to try and get you've got to figure a way out of getting Odegaard, Saka, and particularly Martinelli, those three, in form. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the key. They, to, they, to they're me, they're well, all out of form at the wrong time, because they're all I, out of form together. And I think every facet of the Arsenal team at the moment is not operating to the level that, that it was. It's not yeah. just the front. It's what's the balance in the middle of the park? What's the best three ball in there? You know, who's the best to play the right back and, and, and the left back? And Zinchenko had some a little bit of criticism in the last... A uh, few weeks. I, I really believe a lot of this stems from some of the decisions and rhetoric that Mikel Arteta made months ago. Talking about subbing goalkeepers during games, making the change with Ramsdale and Raya, not suggesting this is totally the reason why they're in this little bit of a slump, but I think these are decisions that make players talk in the dressing room. Just kind of add up. There's little bits that just add up. You know, up. when you're in the dressing room and you've had Ramsdale playing as well as he did for that period of time in goals, and he was good. Yep. He And he wasn't without mistakes, but he was good, right? You have players going, well, I'm not quite sure about that decision. Why are we doing that? And then you sign Kai Havertz and players try and integrate him in, as you do. You try and get him in the squad and you try and help. But it was crystal clear this experiment of playing him in midfield wasn't working and that was backed up by the fact that he dropped him. Mm -hmm. But again, it gets players talking. And so these little things just gather some moss and, and it's all down to, I think, decisions that, that Mikel Arteta has made that he really didn't have to. And now he's going to have to backtrack and find a way to get himself out of it. Because I say, City are not going to go away. Liverpool, when these players come back, are, are strong. Even Aston Villa and Tottenham a point behind Arsenal in the league. And Arsenal are the side we're talking about out of all these teams at the moment. How are they going to turn this around? I'm sure they will in some sense, but it's just whether they can turn that around enough to get enough momentum and head of steam to really have a go at this title again. And meanwhile for Liverpool, this is a nice dream scenario, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You don't put in your best performance, you still get away with a 2-0 win, move on. Yeah, they've limped, they've kind of limped through the game as well with the injuries and um, they'll be pleased with that. They don't have to have a replay as well with the, yes. the Carabao Cup semi-final coming up. So it's, it's happy days for them right now. I don't think anyone expected Liverpool to have the season that they're having. Um, they've, they've had a complete overhaul, but they've recruited really well, especially in the middle of the park. I think that they're just like their overall team's IQ has just gone high. I love Endo, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. Um, and then the players that stepped in today, um, you know, they, 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 weren't, they weren't the best, but they've got the job done. And, you know, Klopp has got the, the, the know-how um, and, and the tactical nous to, to get one over. And you'll be hoping that Jota can put in 90 minutes, Stevie, during these periods yeah. where obviously Salah's away, because we just saw him, we mentioned it a lot. He was the difference, really, when he came on. Absolutely. I guess the key, it kind of feels like since he came to Liverpool, the key is for him to stay fit yeah. for, a, for a real long period of time. 
because every time he steps on the field, he's a handful. He creates chances for himself and for others, and he scores goals. So, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was really strange because for Liverpool to be in an FA Cup tie, it didn't feel as though, watching the team, they didn't give you the impression that they were bossing their gut. And so, to go through 70 minutes the way they did, and then to turn it on the last 20 minutes, obviously with the help of Klopp's substitutions, then it's absolutely perfect. And when you put the team up, and you talk about the players that weren't there, mm -hmm. Happy days. Uh, now, Liverpool went through a really tough time last year. When they, here's the comparison. Probably a lot tougher than what Arsenal are going through now. Yeah. Yet their manager, who was questioned, and we, we all questioned them, yeah. you know, there's this, yeah. this seven years again. And has it gone stale? He sort of picked it up and ran with it again, and so far it's, it's looking great. And, and that's, that's arguably the difference at the moment, that he's probably, at two or three different clubs, been able to turn a, a sinking ship around. And now the question comes back Mikel Arteta's way. Lots of praise, lots of great football over the last 18 months, not so much this season. Yeah. In adversity now, how are you going to cope yeah. with these issues that you've got on your side? Thanks, Craig. Let's take a look at what else happened elsewhere today. We're going to have to see a replay between West Ham and Bristol City. Same goes for Forest against Blackpool, Luton Town and Bolton as well. Meanwhile, Patrick Bamford scored an absolute worldie as Leeds United beat Peterborough by three goals to nil. Wrexham, meanwhile, would beat League One at Shrewsbury Town. West Brom thrashed Oldershot 4-1 and Manchester City with that 5-0 win over Huddersfield. Arsenal, of course, losing 2-0 against Liverpool. OK, I think that's everything from the FA Cup from today. Back to you. And well done, Stevie, for avoiding falling into that weave there. <laughs> Can you picture Dan Thomas weaving? <laughs> no. Is, uh, is he knitting at home? Is this what he does? No, definitely not. But well done, Stevie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Barcelona are through to the last 16 of the Copa del Rey, but they were made to work for it against fourth-tier side Barbastro. Goals in this game from Fermin and Rafinha to put Barca 2-0 up, but it did get a bit nervy in the later stages when Barbastro put Bon back on the board just past the hour mark. 
There were two late penalties as well, one of them from Lewandowski, one from Barbastro, but in the end it was 3-2 to Barcelona. Credit to them, they got the win, they did what they needed to do, but there are still the frustrations that come with watching Barcelona this season. Uh, just a little bit of context here. Barbastro, fourth division team in Spain. Fourth division team in Spain. We're talking about Barcelona, right? One of the most important brands in the world of football, in the world of club football, Barcelona. And yet, somehow, it doesn't matter who Barcelona plays against this season, it's a game. It's a game. And part of the reason it is a game is because they're not good enough to put away teams, and they're also not good enough to defend against any sort of team. Believe what you want to believe about expected goals. But Barbastro, let me remind you, fourth division team, expected goals 2.55 against Barcelona with 14 shots against Barcelona. Now, Barcelona were in full control of this match. You thought, okay, 2-0, they're going to feel good about themselves. This is a moment for this team to get confident once again, which is something that they keep searching for. No, this is not a win that gives Barcelona any sort of confidence. It's actually a win that creates more doubt. Because if we struggle against Barbastro, we'll struggle against anybody. If you're Barcelona and a player in that locker room, how do you feel good about this performance, about this win, about yourself, about life in general? The truth is, Barcelona frustrated, and they should be. Xavi frustrated, and he should be. Any team that plays against Barcelona right now has a chance. Yeah, and obviously there is a tougher test ahead mm. this mm -hmm. week in the Supercopa for Barcelona. But we wanted to show you a wholesome moment. Oh, okay. Jude Bellingham, not just wonderful on the pitch this season for Real Madrid. Here he is as an unused sub in his Copa del Rey meeting with Arandina, seeing that the ball boy was a little cold and offering him his blanket. Hey, I love the ball boy, the fact that Jude Bellingham is calling him over and the ball boy is like, I can't leave the ball. I'm right here, baby. I can't leave the ball. It's my job here. You better come to me. Oh, here you go. Get your, get your cover on. It was Don't the, be cold. The funny thing is, as well as the ball boy said afterwards, I'm not actually sure what he said to me. Right. But I really appreciate the blanket. So he was yeah. probably speaking to him in English as well, and he's thinking, what's he saying? Am I allowed that or not? <laughs> well, but I mean, anyway, he stopped for selfies as well, apparently, with all the other ball okay. boys who asked hey, afterwards. You love some Jude Bellingham. We all love some Jude Bellingham. You know you'd have a seat at him at the table. Yeah, seat for him at the Be table. Pedro's been injured a lot, yeah, so exactly. yeah. You'll be able to see more of Jude Bellingham because, as we mentioned, we've got the Super Copper coming up as well. Real Madrid take on Atleti on Wednesday and on Thursday. It is Barcelona taking on Osasuna. We'll see which of the teams book their spot in Sunday's final as we do welcome in Gabriele Marcotti now to talk a little bit more about this first, about the Supercopa. And let's focus with Barcelona if we can, Gab, because this is a competition they've got to be eyeing given the way their season's been playing out so far and how far they are off the top two in La Liga's table. Look, I... I think they do because they're right. There's more prestige to it in 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 Spain, especially since they moved to this uh, to this format. But also, I think it's important for them to put on a good showing um, because that buys Xavi time. That buys Xavi time. It buys him confidence. Uh, you know, in reality, if you look at the league, you don't have, and Real Madrid are so far ahead, but they're also both on pace to get 96 points, which is a huge points total. So. The gap isn't necessarily as big as it might just look on paper, but he needs to get things going. So I think you're right. The Super Cup does become more important uh, for Xavi. Let's talk about this game for Barcelona. Obviously, we just saw the four teams that are in action, but there are going to be a lot of eyes on them considering what we've been seeing from them so far. You keep waiting for Barcelona 
to give us that performance that you say, look, it feels like they're getting better. And every time we watch them play, instead of thinking that they're getting better, we're thinking, they're getting worse. They're getting worse. This is a team that, following the Christmas break, you may have thought, you know, this is just what they needed. A chance to kind of press that reset button, that emotional reset button. Uh, get around people that love you, that care about you. Yes, go back, to, go back home for Christmas, enjoy yourself, sit back, put away the pressure, put away the ball for a second, and now come back re-energized. And what do they do? Struggle against Las Palmas to the point to where they were fortunate to win that game. Okay, here we go, Barbastro, fourth division team. This is a moment where we build some confidence. Again, another frustrating performance. Yet again, more pressure and unnecessary stress. And so you come to and play Osasuna, knowing full well that you're the favorite, that you should beat Osasuna, and that you need this competition simply to feel better about yourself. To feel better about yourself. So that Xavi feels better about himself, so that this club feels better about themselves, so that these players continue to believe and sense that they are indeed in this title race, which right now, right now, they're simply not. It's Girona and Real Madrid. Atletico Madrid and Barcelona are seeing Girona and Real Madrid just create that separation. And Barcelona right now just doesn't have any arguments to back up and say, you know, we're in this. How are you in this if you can't defend? How are you in this if you're not scoring goals consistently? They're in trouble right now. When you think about this game that they've got coming up as well, Gab, given the fact that Ale's saying they're in trouble right now, we can see the troubles that they have been Going through this season, what if it is a poor showing? Will that have repercussions and will we start hearing more about Xavi's position and whether it's safe at Barcelona? Oh, I, I think it definitely will. And then the bad news, as Ali said, uh, you know, Osasuna, uh, they're not a good match. They're not somebody given the way that, that you know, <coughs> they often play and, and they're tight at the back and they can frustrate you. This is probably not the type of team you want to be, uh, you want to be playing right now. I think right now, from from the club's perspective, you know they've committed to Xavi. Um, I don't see them making a change unless suddenly you know top four becomes an issue. You don't see them making a change in mid-season. He's got a ton of political capital uh, at the club, understandably so. Uh, obviously, Deco's come in. The relationship with him might be up or down. Um, but I think they will evaluate the situation uh, where they are in the summer. And, you know, if it gets to the point where, where, where some senior players are unhappy, um, but I, I think there's more right now, it feels to me like there's more of a loss of faith in many of the players at the club than there is necessarily in Xavi. I think given what he's done for the club, um, I, I think it would have to be something really disastrous for, for the club to think, of, to think that they're going to make a change between now and the end of the season. Meanwhile, Ale, I wanted to draw your attention to mm. what happened in the game between Hatafe and Rayo Vallecano okay. when Mason Greenwood uh, did get a red card, but we'll get to that in a moment because <laughs> okay. we do have the Super Cup coming up. Real Madrid Atleti on Wednesday. Yeah, get that promo uh, in, Kay. Get that promo in. I absolutely will because you'll be seeing more of me and Ale hey. uh, on these games as well, ESPN2 and ESPN+. Okay, let's talk about Mason Greenwood's red card for Hatafe against Rayo Vallecano. Huh. Now, here is where we get to talk about the wonderful variety of ways in which one of the words in the English language is used because the way in which he used it, the referee deemed strong enough for him to be given his marching orders. We are talking about the F-bomb and I won't go much further than that. Okay. All right. 
But that's not, that's you... not what it was. There had been continuous fouls, and he used the word as if to say, ah! Aha. Okay? So, so, so you want me to break down the use of the F-bomb by Mason Greenwood? Is this where the analysis goes? I do not. But okay. I'm just putting it out there that this was the incident, this is what happened. Anyway, after it was looked at afterwards, the Spanish FA issued this statement saying, the repeated viewing of the images, in fact, has allowed this committee to conclude beyond any doubt that the action that led to the expulsion did not occur as described by the referee and ultimately proved the material error manifest in the referee's report. Is this the right decision, Ali? <laughs> well, it depends on what was in the referee's report and, and what he actually took for whatever it is that Mason Greenwood said. Look, if, if you... If you drop an F-bomb to the referee, usually, usually, and if it is directed towards the referee and the referee actually heard it, saw it, understood that it was towards him, then there is no recourse other than you gone. I'm not quite sure how you go back and look at the video and say, well, look, see, it was directed at the referee, but it was, it was a friendly F-bomb. It, 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 was, uh, it was nuanced. It was a nuanced F-bomb. I'm not quite sure how you break that down by watching that piece of video and, and then kind of go, yeah, no, Mason Greenwood, we were wrong. You were right. Go ahead. Say whatever you want to say to the referee. Okay, but Hatafe are going to be happy with this decision. Oh, no, they are, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, look... Again, it was in the face of the referee. The referee saw it, heard it, felt it was directed towards him. He made a decision. And then now the people, the panel that wasn't in the stadium, that wasn't on the field, that wasn't there within five yards of Mason Greenwood, now are making a decision and kind of figure out what the sense of Mason Greenwood's expression was and culturally what it means and how <laughs> Mason Greenwood expresses himself instead of what the referee deemed what was an aggressive attitude towards him. I, I don't understand how you overturned this because now you're getting into, well, what did Mason Greenwood really mean with what he Can said? Can you imagine being the person who's called in to help them find yeah. out the nuances of the F-bomb? Yeah, the nuance. Yeah, maybe Sid Lowe got involved there. We'll have to ask him if he was the one who was called upon. Anyway, what, as it stands, that's been rescinded. He does not have that red card that he was given and I'm sure he didn't use any expletives with that decision. Okay, here's how La Liga's table. Well, actually, you can, you can use it ways. being very happy. <laughs> but that's another show. Real Madrid okay. and Girona, 48 points level at the top of the table. Barcelona, seven points behind them. Athletic Club and Athleti, 10 points behind the top two. And it is Hatafe up in eighth. So as you can see, they've uh, not been doing too bad this season, oh. despite some of their colorful language. And La Liga will be back on Friday with Sevilla against Alaves. Uh, go, go through the whole match day, all of these matches as always available on ESPN Plus and English and in Spanish. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Meanwhile, Serie A going strong at this time of the year. These are today's results across the board. Uh, some big results as well. Milan with a win over Empoli. It was a 1-1 draw between Roma and Atalanta. And a few dramatic moments to tell you about there. 
But the big drama of the day is Napoli losing 3-0 to Torino. And just taking a look at the top of the table and how things are for them, they are ninth and you can see way off the pace when it comes to the top two. In fact, not even in the race anymore at this point. It's been a disaster season for them so far. Gab Marcotti with us to talk more about it. What's going to happen here then, Gab? Will Mazzari get sacked? I mean, how much worse can it actually get for Napoli? Well, uh, you had the uh, the president, Aurelio De Laurentiis, you know, saying that uh, he knew he made a mistake uh, from the beginning and, and he's harboring the blame, which is fine, but uh, the fans are really, really unhappy. And look, this goes all the way back to uh, the fact why Luciano Spalletti left in the, in, in the first place. And, you know, he had a year, he had an option year in his contract. Uh, obviously, you know, he'd done so well in the Champions League. He was winning, uh, winning the league. And uh, Napoli, perhaps thinking they were clever, they simply, you know, sent him a, a, a certified uh, email saying, oh, by the way, your contract's been extended for another year. When most people would say, hey, let's sit down, let's talk bonuses, let's talk a, a bump. And then from then, they, they, they signed uh, Rudy Garcia to replace him. That didn't work out. They don't he's helpfully saying that, you know, from day one, I knew he was the wrong guy. Well, then why'd you hire him? And then they go from bad to worse. They bring in Walter Mazzari, the master of disaster. Of course, he coached the team 10 years ago when it was a different team, a different football, a different world, and he played with a back three, whereas this team can't play with a back three because they don't have three center backs. Uh, on top of that, throwing injuries, Osimhen leaving for the Africa Cup of Nations, and uh, this team really has no love whatsoever for Walter Mazzari. So um, I would imagine he might stick around a while longer, but the screws are the screws are definitely turning, and, and it's sad to see Napoli unravel so quickly, just just in four or five months. Well, we do actually have what Aurelio De Laurentiis said, which you just referenced, Gab. He said everything that's happened until now is only my responsibility. Therefore, all the blame shouldn't be thrown on the players or the coaches. I need to apologise to Neapolitans and the fans for being where we are in the standings. So, what's he going to do now, Gab? How does he make up for it if he's saying it's his fault? Is he going to be big spender? <laughs> Uh, well, that's the problem. I mean, Napoli do have some wiggle room because they've been very judiciously uh, run in, in the past. And, you know, they have some big assets. They, uh, I don't know that going back in the transfer market for, for Mazzari, who, you know, first of all, very few people actually like. And second of all, he's only there through the end of the season. Uh, I don't know that that's the right choice. Um, uh, short of De Laurentiis building a time machine and going back to late April 2023, I don't think you can undo this. I think you just have to take it on the chin and uh, make sure you appoint the right manager for next season. Uh, just taking a look at things going a lot better for Milan at the moment. And obviously they had that 3-0 win over Empoli today. The third of the goals, it was a coast-to-coast -coast run assist oh. from Christian Pulisic, who has been one of Milan's best and most consistent performers this season. Before I go to Gab on that, good to see this for Pulisic, that he's found his happy place so far? Absolutely. And I think when you think of Pulisic, he, he comes across as a sort of guy that it's important for him to feel valued and for the manager, whoever it may be, that that manager has a plan for Pulisic that makes sense and, and one that Christian Pulisic can understand very clearly. So when he feels loved and the plan in front of him is something that makes sense to him, then his talent takes over. And there is no doubt that Christian Pulisic is a talented player. He just needs a little bit of love. 
he needs a little bit of tenderness. He needs somebody or a manager that truly believes in that skill set. And I think in some ways, uh, the experiences that he had at Chelsea have allowed or have forced Christian Pulisic to grow up, to mature, and to now find an appreciation for his current situation. And when you are appreciative as a player and you're talented and there is confidence by the manager and the players around you believe in you as well as a player, guess what? Then you, you just allow that talent to flow and we are seeing that from Christian Pulisic. Yeah, tell us more about it, Gab, how it's been for him so far at Milan. Well, look, I mean, Pulisic came in and uh, he played mostly down the left-hand side, uh, as you know, for the, for the U.S. And, and for Chelsea. And, you know, Milan were very straight up with him. They said, Christian, we want you here. We think you can contribute. You probably won't be playing left wing because the guy who's there, Rafael Leal, we think he's a lot better than you are. And in fact, he is. Uh, but Pulisic took it in stride. He says, OK, fine, I'll play on the right. Uh, I can play as a number 10. Uh, I'll fill in for Leal when he needs to. And you know that what you're going to get from me is you're going to get a lot of work ethic off the ball, which you don't always get from Leal. And uh, as we said, he's he's the third option really up front uh, in terms of, of scoring, uh, you know, behind Leal and, and Olivier Giroud. And yet he's chipped in. I think he has, what, six goals this season, five assists. That's a really, really good return. Um, and, and he's shown so much adaptability. The fans like him. Uh, so, yeah, so far, so good. I think his career is, is definitely re relaunched at uh, San Siro. OK, Gab, while we have got you here, then let's talk about what happened between Roma and Atalanta today. Away from the game, well, it was actually during the game, Dybala throwing a ball at another player. Uh, he had a penalty that made it 1-1. And also Jose Mourinho getting sent off again. Yeah, so... Um, Jose Mourinho, the, the, the first yellow uh, was um, what was basically he was unhappy about a, a foul in the middle of the pitch. And you could clearly see what he said uh, to the referee. Um, he said, look, if you're not going to book him for that foul, then, uh, uh, then just book me. And so the referee <laughs> basically did. The second one was, was, was laid on. Um, I think he was frustrated. You know, this was a game which... Roma did not play badly at all. They, 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 they created chances. So did Atalanta. Roma have a ton of players out. This was a real chance to go get a big win under your belt, reopen that race for top four uh, ahead of, 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 of a huge game coming up, obviously, uh, against Lazio and the Coppa Italia. And, uh, and it all kind of slipped away from him uh, on the night. Thank okay, you. Yep. Uh, Gab, always keeping us up to date with everything that's going on in the Serie A and Dramarama as always. And you can hear more from Gab and Jules on the Gab and Jules show. It drops twice a week and they talk about all the biggest topics from world football. Because there's been a bit of an update in the Mbappe to Madrid and not just him speaking to the press in the mix zone the other day. Yeah. Apparently, coming out of the Spanish media, oh. is that he's talking to Madrid about this deal, about an agreement, Gab. Do you know more on this? It's actually not coming from what I could tell. It's always hard to see where these stories originates from. Uh, it's actually from the from from the French media, a, oh. a website called Foot Mercato, uh, putting this out there. Uh, look, we know he's talking to them. Um, that's he's supposed to be talking to them. He's six months away from from free agency. Um, we knew this was going to happen, and and I think he hinted uh, that he was going to be talking to them. Uh, you know, with what he said the other day, where he says, "Look, you know, I haven't decided yet. When I decide, I'll let you know. Um, but you know, I'll leave the club 
in, 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 in good hands if I do leave. And what he's referring to, or at least not penalized financially, what he's referring to is that he won't be taking his bonus that he negotiated, you know, obviously the last time around when he extended his deal. Um, all of which is fine and good. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff coming out. There's a report in, in the Times in London by somebody who's uh, very close to Luis Campos who says, actually, Mbappe doesn't want to be railroaded to Real Madrid. And, you know, he's eyeing up the Premier League as well. All of this suggests me, and it's totally logical for Mbappe, is that, you know, rather than just enter into negotiations with Real Madrid, uh, he wants to cast the net wide, see what the options are. Also gives him a marker about what his value might be to Real Madrid or his value to Paris Saint-Germain, should he ultimately decide to stay. Remember, he's changed his mind uh, once before. So... I wouldn't get carried away. I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to run until May before he makes a decision, uh, like last time around. But equally, um, I think it's, well, it's viable that they may have agreements in principle before pen gets put to paper. I think it could take a little while. Uh, there are a few guarantees in life, but one guarantee is that we will be talking a lot more about oh. Kylian Mbappe <laughs> on ESPN. And, and, and showing his goals. And showing his goals. <laughs> they just got three of them in that 9-0 win. Extra time is coming up with Ali and Gab answering your questions. Be sure to stick around for that. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. We're on our feet today, myself okay. and Ali. Uh -huh, that's right. Gab Marquotti is joining us as well. So it's a bit of an intimate setting. Yes, it is. So these are questions that you guys are going to be answering today. Where is Gab? Somewhere. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, hey, all right. <laughs> well, there we are. Uh, yeah, Gab's joining us as well. But yes, thank you for being with us for the latest edition of Extra Time. First question. For the boys, Arsenal dominated most of the game today against Liverpool, but again found themselves on the wrong end of a decision. Do you think a lack of a proven number nine is the main underlying problem with the squad? Is that for Gab or is that for me? I don't know if Gab's there, so I'm okay. so by, by default it's for me. <laughs> no, go ahead, Gab. Go ahead, Gab. Uh, I, look, there's more than one way to, to, to play football. Um, you, could, you could argue that, you know, Manchester City were pretty good before Erling Haaland came in and you know they probably didn't have a proven number nine whatever that means um, if the goals are coming from different positions and you have all your coordinated um, attacking and movement you can you can play that way but you need really really good players I'm not sure that Gabriel Jesus when available is a really really good player today we saw him try Kai Havertz in that role again is he a proven number nine well, he played number nine for Chelsea for a couple of years, won a Champions League, didn't score 30 goals, but he's got the tools to do it. But he's played number nine very, very rarely this season um, for Arsenal. So I don't think it's quite as simple as that, oh, go and sign, go and sign a striker. They're in this situation by design. And I think, you know, Arteta has a plan and I think he's going to decide at the end of the season whether, whether that plan is worthwhile or not. All right. Gab, next one is for you. Okay. AJ says, what's your thoughts on Juve's Turkish wonder kid, Kenan Yildiz? Well, first of all, big shout out to Juve, by the way, today, who, uh, who won. Uh, we didn't get to mention it uh, on the show, but they came from behind against Salernitana. Salernitana, they'd stopped 6-1 in the Coppa Italia just a few days earlier. Um, Salernitana did go a man down. Uh, early in the second half, but Juve still came back into it, and a thumping header from from Vlaovic late on to give them the three points, which means they stayed right behind Inter. Um, Kevin, you know this? He, the guy looks so confident. He's a kid, 
But he, I mean, we saw when he made his, his debut, was it uh, two weeks ago uh, or a week ago? Um, he certainly has a ton to give. Uh, and, and he's another option. And I just think it's, it's fantastic how Allegri finds himself in the situation where historically he doesn't trust kids. Now he's forced to play the kids and he's finding out that some of these kids, whether it's whether it's Ildis, whether it's uh, Samuel Ealing Jr., whether it's Miretti, whether it's Cavidia, some of these guys are actually pretty good and hey, they can actually contribute. And the thing that we saw from him in the midweek in Coppa Italia, he is a credible threat on the opposite side of Chiesa. So if you have Yildiz coming from the left-hand side in the manner in which he did and score cutting to the inside and finishing to the near post, and you kind of go, wait a minute, wait a minute, man. Is, is this sustainable? Is this what we continue to see? And if indeed it is what you continue to see, it's like yet another player that can run at defenders, in this case, opposite of Chiesa. So if you're Allegri, you're looking at this and saying, wait, we can go from being just the pragmatic team that is just going to absorb pressure and win games 1-0 to actually a team that can get after defenders, that can go in 1v1 situations, that can isolate players, that can score goals. We can do that. Yildiz gives you some of that down the left-hand side. They can side. do that, but Gab's probably laughing because he knows Allegri won't do that. Well, hey, look, oh, I was laughing about that and also his kids are going to be fit. Look, Ali's right. We're Allegri, uh, a certain type of manager. You would totally embrace this. You would say, hey, look, guys, we're down, but look at the excitement, look at the kids, and so on. Instead, he's been so reluctant in moving across, and, you know, this fixation, and still, oh, my God, Angel Di Maria left, what are we going to do? Uh, you saw last season with the signing of Paredes. Enough already. Trust the kids. It's a transition year. Just be, you'll still finish top four because you're Juve. Uh, focus on getting Vlaovic service and, and stop messing around with these free transfers and, and, and these kind of like, you know, sort of patchwork solutions. And uh, I think they've dragged him kicking and screaming into it. And I think Allegri's maybe even, dare I say it, evolving a little bit to, to embrace it. But is it going to be 4-3-3 kids on one side uh, and, uh, and, and the others on the other? I'm not so sure. I think he still likes his front too. Okay, I'm going to start calling you Alessandro Moreno. Oh, yeah. well, you know. Bring in the UV heat. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll break okay. it down. La vecchia signora, baby. <laughs> Are you ready? Because this is the moment of truth. Okay, here we this go. Half came up today in the show. Uh -huh. Ale, rank them based on higher talent ceiling. Okay. Saka. Yeah. Pedri. Yeah. Your son. Foden. <laughs> kind of. Uh huh. And your new son, Jude Bellingham. Hmm. Well. Right. Can, I, can I just say, just full disclosure for those that do not know, I, I have offered a seat at the table to Pedri in my house. But given the fact that he continues to injure, that seat is now gone, right? Jude Bellingham has taken over, so I'm going to go Jude Bellingham, then Pedri. I think when Pedri is fit, when he's healthy, he is a premier midfielder around the world. He is elite sort of talent and the calmness with which he plays and maturity with which he plays at a very young age. I'm going to say Pedri because he can only get better, but in order to get better he has to be fit. After that I'll take Bukayo Saka and then Phil Foden. So Bellingham, Pedri, Saka, Foden. Okay. For Ale and Gab, why does Bayern want Eric Dyer even as a stopgap in their defence? Is there something here that regular football fans like us are missing? Gab. Uh, I'm not sure that they do. I think he's available. Obviously, he doesn't fit into uh, 
Ange Postecoglou, glue or Ange Postecoglou, glue as Jules calls him. Uh, he doesn't fit into his plans. I mean, even when everybody was injured, he was still playing Ben Davies and Emerson Royal uh, at the back. So um, I think Bayern have said to him, hey, look, if we're going to bring somebody in, it's a short-term thing. We already have three highly paid center backs. We don't need a fourth highly paid one. And so Eric Dyer's a body. He probably remembers him from playing against him. And and, and I think that's what he's thinking of. And I think, you know, probably agent-driven uh, a little bit. Dyer certainly wants to play football. And we've had news that, you know, Spurs are, are likely to bring in another center back. Uh, so it's not like you know, the injury to, to Van de Veen means, or Romero's endless string of red cards means that Dyer's going to get that much more playing time. So all these things put together seems like a marriage of convenience between now and, and the end of the season. But yeah, Derek Ray's had his say, saying obviously Kim Min Jae off to the Asian Cup. Uh-huh. Yanagafiotov's had his say and said, you know, you keep Harry Kane happy, you bring him a little friend along. Okay. Keep him company. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> sure. You are Mr. Bundesliga here at ESPN. I play as well. buddy. I play buddy, huh? Yeah, few million, they're, they're to, few million to keep your star striker happy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's about depth for Bayern Munich. And it's something that Thomas Tuchel has complained about. Quietly has complained about it and actually loudly has complained about it. Uh, and, and I only say depth because an area of the field that has been an issue for Bayern Munich not only has been defending, but also in the midfield. And one of the complaints that Thomas Tuchel has had is, well, we wanted Palinha, now we don't have Palinha, we don't have a number six because Joshua Kimmich is not a number six. Uh, my point is, I think the depth you're going to get here is both in the midfield position and then in the center back position. But depth, that's about it. Not, not a guy who's going to start, just a guy that in case people are not available, in case players are injured, in case players go to the Asian, African Cup, whatever the case may be, whoever is not available, then deeply you kind of turn to Eric Dyer. Hey, are you done playing with Harry? Yeah, come on and play here. But he's not the option. I I mean, I'm kind of baffled because the Bundesliga is on break. They're not back for yonks. Um, hopefully everybody's going to be fit and, and hopefully Kim and Jay will be back by that point so he'll have his three centre backs. All of this would have been simpler if uh, you know, maybe they hadn't let Josip Stanisic go because obviously he can play right back, he can play centre back too, for you as well if you really need that fourth centre back. I, I find it hilarious that we have these, these endless discussions about who their fourth option that's at, at centre back is and who the number six is. I mean you don't like Kimmich, who did fine there for years and years and years with the people who came before you. You know, you, you've got Limer there as well, who can who can do a job for you if it's just about being a body. Um, I, I I don't understand why all of a sudden, you know, Kimmich is like this, this little German turd for you. And, oh, no, he's not a six. He's an eight. He's a ten. He's a six and a half. He's a whatever the hell. Look. Just play with Kimmich, figure it out. You're a big boy, you're a smart boy, you won the Champions League, um, figure it out. It's not that difficult. Others have done it before you. You can do the same. And to that point, I would go as far as to say, Gab, that when Bundesliga returns, Joshua Kimmich will not be playing in the midfield for Bayern Munich. In fact, I'm going to suggest that he would pull Joshua Kimmich and put him in the right-back position and put Konrad Leimer and Pavlovich or Rafael Guerreiro and Pablo. It's a combination of those three players in the midfield. Because, I, because, because in the best performances that Bayern Munich has had this season, 
en Bundesliga, yeah. Joshua Kimmich has either been suspended or out injured or out ill. And so you kind of put those things together and you kind of go, well, Thomas Suchel doesn't yeah. feel like Joshua Kimmich is the answer. And so therefore he's going to find some other answer within that squad. No, no, he's gotten this idea into his head. Look, there's no, he's not going to change his mind. I agree with you. It's entirely, it's entirely probable. You know, Rafael Guerrero played most of his career as a wing back. Yeah, look, yeah, now he's a six. Um, you know, we'll play Goretzka there, which he's also done. Look, I, it's entirely possible because he's convinced himself of this. But what I'm saying is, it's not like Yosha Kimmich is 18 years old. He has a whole body of work before him, and he's done fine in the position before. This only became an issue after. Tuchel convinced himself after being in charge of Bayern for two months that, you know, he needed Polina or, or whoever else to be in that <laughs> position and uh, whatever. Good luck to him. All right. Gab, the wait is almost over and Ale and I will be back for Bayern's game against Hoffenheim uh -huh. on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry, the Bundesliga will be back very soon and we'll get some answers too. Once again, something about Eric Dyer has had us talking for far longer no. than we expected to here on ESPN <laughs> FC. So we're moving on now while we can. Who finishes the season with more goals and assists? Kai Havertz or Mason Mount? Ale. I'm going to say Kai Havertz because at least he's playing. Mason Mount is injured. So or, and even when, when he hasn't been injured, he's not playing. Even when Manchester United has struggled to put people on the field, he hasn't played with any sort of consistency. So not because I truly believe in Kai Havertz, but by process of elimination, I'm going to take the guy who actually has a chance of playing. Gabonale, who's going further in the NFL playoffs, Eagles or Cowboys? Mm. Should you two place a wager to see who makes it to the NFC Championship game? Honestly, I make this very simple. Given how god-awful we have been all season long, even when we were 10-1, we were getting lucky in games. Uh, and when I came on, we were losing again to the freaking New York Giants, uh, meaning that we would uh, end the season, what, like one in six? Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm going to say the Cowboys are going further. It's no 20, question yeah, about it's it. It's 24 nothing to the, to the Giants right now. Okay. As we're ESPN, we've got screens. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, uh -huh. okay. I like. I'm, I'm glad he wanted that score, <laughs> that scoring update. Okay. Just thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> Little chance to talk NFL today. All right. Uh, the critical part for the Dallas Cowboys is playing at home. When they play at home, they're a different team with a different personality, with, with a different level of confidence. If they win today against the Washington Commanders, or if the Eagles lose, which they seem to be doing, uh, the Cowboys will win the division and therefore play at home up until they get to that NFC Championship and potentially play at San Francisco. So. If the Cowboys play at home, they get all the way to the NFC Championship. What happens then? I don't, I don't like it so much. I don't really trust this team in the playoff because I have, there are too many scars in this group and too many of these players have gone through a lot of disappointment. And they've disappointed me too. And I've lost bets to Gab in the past and I'm not going to do it again because I think it was an expensive bet that I had to pay in Milan. So yeah, not doing that either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, what's your American name then now? Alex? Well, we've we've had them all that's today, that's haven't that's we, doing NFL chat. Uh, all right, uh, Gab, last question. How excited are you for the Africa Cup of Nation and, uh, Nations and who are your favourites? You know, I haven't fully wrapped my head around this, um, but as you know, as listeners know, I have a, I have a soft spot uh, for Nigeria. Um, but uh, I really, I, I haven't gone and done any of my handicapping yet. Um, 
What I do hope is that uh, Andre Onana doesn't pay too big a price if indeed it is true that he ends up playing against Spurs on Saturday and then uh, uh, the following day against Guinea on Sunday because that would just be silly. I've decided it's Al. Uh, big Al. Big Al. Which, which Yana Gafiotov always likes to yes. call you Al. Uh, yes. oh, as Al said, all right, that's all we've got time for okay. on the latest okay. edition of Extra Time. Thanks so much for sending in your questions. The guys will be back tomorrow to talk about that game between Wigan oh. and Manchester United. What about the Cowboys? And a lot more. Talking about the Cowboys again? Yeah, what about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Oh, how about them Cowboys? Come on Sorry, now. Oh, my goodness. Uh. American citizen as well. <laughs>